0: Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and it is show number 120, and uh, happy to be with you today. Uh, it's Thursday morning. Normally we're not broadcasting in the morning, but with everything that's happening, uh, we're able to make some changes, and I was also able to connect with today's guest, uh, Coach Joe Mahalik from Hofstra University, head men's basketball coach. Uh, I know Joe a long time, and i uh, a lot, of, a lot of hard games, a lot of hard battles. But through it all, I know Joe is a class act and a, uh, a great coach and a great mentor for many young people. And they won their tournament this year. Hofstra won their tournament. And I wanted to talk to Joe about what that was like for him, what that was like for his uh, school community, and certainly his players to have such a great celebration of their work and then have it pulled away. Uh, so we're going to meet Joe uh, here in a minute. Um, Excited to be a member of the Education Podcast Network. Uh, This podcast is going there, as well as Voice Ed Radio Canada, and we will soon be on iTunes. So looking forward to that and welcoming in that audience. Uh, I also want to thank today's sponsor of the show, the Coaching and Leadership Journal. This is the March episode. I'm going to send a copy to Joe here uh, after the show is over. But this is from my friend Dan Spanauer. Uh, You can find this at the Uh, um, leadership publishing team. Dan does a great job. This is the March version. And again, there are uh, eight to 10 pages of just inspiration. We need inspiration during this time. And I got this mailed uh, to my school. Dan offered, uh, if you are a subscriber, you can uh, get this subscription brought back to your house. Just email him and uh, change that address. Um, But even here, right? There's uh, information about what you can do in the spring to help you boost forward. We lost Kobe Bryant last month. Here's a great article about Kobe Bryant. Uh, we also lost Morgan Wooten. Joe knows Morgan and uh, what he did for the game. There's an article here about Morgan Wooten. So a ton of inspiration. Uh, Dan was nice enough. Uh, there's a code MARADA20 uh, if you'd like that discount. And again, that's at the theleadershippublishingteam.com. So let's get started. This is show number 120. I am on Twitter at Andrew Murata 21. uh, And we could see the uh, Twitter handles for the Hofstra men's basketball team below as well. Um, But the topic today to work so hard for a goal and get right there and then have it pulled from you. uh, And that's what happened to the men's uh, basketball team at Hofstra. That's what happened to a lot of teams. And that's what happened to a lot of people with all kinds of uh, cancellations and closures due to this virus. I talked too long. Let's bring in Joe here. We had some sound difficulties, but uh, we we're able to get him on. And And there he is, Coach Joe Mahalik from Hofstra University. Joe, welcome to uh, Education, Leadership and Beyond.
1: Hey, you're Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me on. I, I promise not to question any calls you made. I mean, the games you officiated.
0: So. <laughs> you only did that every once in a while, but that was all uh, all in the past and all good. Uh, I'll
1: tell you what, you, you got most of them right. We, we miss you, man. We, we wish you were still doing it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that because we're on the show. We Guys like you, we need more guys like you. You were good at it. You really were
0: good at it. Well, I appreciate that, Joe. and uh, That means a lot. Um, and certainly we're going to chat a little bit about that transition for me later. But for you and your program right now, Joe, tell me what that roller coaster of emotions was like for you to have won the Colonial Tournament and then get the news that all of this was being canceled. What was that like for you? Yeah, you know, Andrew, it was, uh, you know, we we broke it down. It was probably 43 hours of of all kinds of emotions. So at 9 o'clock on Tuesday night, we, we, as you said, we punched our ticket. We won the championship. We climbed up the ladder with the scissors. We cut down the net. You know, the guys were
1: having their hats on backwards. They were, you know, dancing on the floor. It was euphoria. It was just, you know, everything, as you said, everything you worked for, everything you dreamed about, you know, the dream came true. And, uh, and it, was, it was a great bunch of guys. I mean, there was a, it was a hard-earned, you know, every win was hard-earned. And of course, that tournament was that way. So at 9 o'clock, you know, euphoria. Um, and then just to take you through it almost step by step, you know, you just started to get – with these things that happen, you started to get a little queasy sit, sit a feeling in your stomach. So, you know, the next morning we're talking to the guy and say, hey, listen, now, you know, there's there's talk of no fans being able to come to the games. So we might play, play in Villanova in Albany in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but there won't be any fans there. So it's going to be a little weird, but, hey, it's still the NCAA tournament, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then – I think chronologically. Then I think uh, Gobert from the Utah Jazz tested positive, and then shortly thereafter, Silva, Adam Silva, postponed the NBA season. Mm. And we're just starting to get queasier and queasier. And their stomachs starting to turn. You're like, wait a minute, what's happening? And then the you know the Power Five conferences all cancel their tournaments and. You know, like I said, in in, in less than 43 hours, it went from euphoria to, you know, just by, towards the end of it, just hoping it would be postponed, not canceled, just hoping, like, okay, we're not playing next week, we almost kind of figured that out, we're not going to be playing, but hopefully they're going to postpone it somehow, we can play it in a month, two months, whatever it might be, and then we got the news at about 4.15 on that Thursday, like I said, less than 48 hours later, that the tournament was canceled, and it was, we were gutted. I mean, we were devastated because, you know, as I already said, the dream came true. We did it. We did it. We were champions. We earned our right into the NCAA tournament. And, um, that dream was kind of taken away from us. So, you know, the message to our players was, um, life isn't fair. You know, life, it just isn't. Life isn't fair. I, I, a guy I played with in college was the captain of the 1980 Olympics team. They canceled the Olympics. He didn't get to do that. Um, and uh, you know we what to deal with it, and so there is no tournament. Um, something that we deserve, we didn't get. But at the same time, there's a pandemic out there. There's a very, very serious, real world, real life problem, and we are have to be socially responsible to, you know, do our part to not let this not let this get worse than it already is. So uh, we're not the only ones not doing it. There's other teams not doing this, and. Um, you know, it's our, We're responsible for it. We got to do that. And then the last message was, "Hey, the last game you played." I feel, you know, I can almost cry when I talk about our seniors. I feel most hurt for them because their college career is over—not just the season. And it could have ended, you know, watching selection Sunday show and finding out you were going to play. You know, as I said, they were—they were, they were going to have us play Villanova, and that's—that's what the committee does. Philly they, they, connection, you know, absolutely. Yeah, they were, Jay Wright—they're gonna have Jay Wright play against his old team, but they didn't get to do all those things they deserved to do. But the last thing they did as a college basketball player was win a championship. And you know, as I already said, you know, cut the nets down and celebrate with your teammates and walk off the floor with the net hanging around their, their neck. So uh, you know, that's that's where we're at. That's that's you know, it's, it's everybody's
0: dealing with some this in, in different ways, highs and lows. It's changed some lives and. We're just part of every – we're just a microcosm of our whole society. Yeah. And it was a great picture of you celebrating uh, with the team, with them pouring the – I don't know what it was, champagne or soda or whatever, but uh, that was a great shot of you. And, you know, certainly being an official, watching how hard those games are, I know how hard you guys worked. Joe, what would you want to see for those uh, seniors? I've, I've heard some stuff about possibly letting them come back for a fifth year of eligibility. What would you like to see for them? Yeah, that's a tough one.
1: I uh, I would love to see those seniors come back. I I don't know if the if the powers that be, the NCA people, and the you know the higher ups, at the end of the day, do they think that a kid should play an entire fifth year? Uh, I just don't know how it would work. I, again, I would love it. I can't love the Zuri Bowie and Elijah Pemberton anymore. Than I love them, <laughs> uh, but um, they did play thirty four games. They did play an entire season. They did win a championship. Did they get, you know, at the end of it, did they get, you know, kind of the short end of the stick because they did win the championship? Yeah, but I just don't know. I don't know if it's growing length. I I think the spring sports, I think those kids,
0: the the baseball teams and the lacrosse teams, I think they're going to, I think those seniors will get enough. I think, I think, but that's going to be, there's going to be some hoops they got to jump through to get that done too. Yeah, yeah. Joe, tell me about your leadership through this time right now, this is would be the off season for you, right? I've only ever seen you in action. I've seen you at some scrimmages and stuff and like here's your real self. Tell me about your leadership uh, with your program right now. What's your communication with your players? And and how is this rolling into your recruiting uh, time?
1: Yeah, it's different. I mean, it's uncharted territory. We have to do things that we're not used to doing. It's it's, it's far from normal. you know, a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, if you're going to talk to a recruit, you're FaceTiming them or Zooming or whatever, you know, Facebook, whatever it might
2: be. <laughs> um, you know, as you talk about leadership, and I, I always, I knew we were talking a little bit about leadership. I hope you don't mind me sharing this story, but because it's, it's, it's a topic that, that
1: uh, you know, that fascinates me, and I think it's, a, it's an incredibly important you know, aspect of what whatever we do in life, you as a leader, as, a, as an educational, as an educator, as, a, as an administrator, you as a leader, you know. Um, so I always like to tell this story because I, I think it's, it's one that stuck with me and uh, I like to share. So I was still the coach at Niagara and uh, most of the people watching this don't know Frank Layton. Or Frank Layton is a former, was a long time ago head coach at Niagara. He became somebody that he was like a mentor just a fabulous fabulous guy and he would come back every spring back he actually would go to Cooperstown and meet his old buddies from niagara and we'd all go over there and they'd golf and have a couple of adult beverages and, and tell stories and you know one day i was there with him and he went on to become the pre- head coach of the utah jazz and then the president and general manager of the utah jazz i mean he was the one responsible for getting car malone and john Stockton together so this one spring i went over and, and i was with. Uh, Frank Layden, and the Utah Jazz had just changed coaches so Jerry Sloan was retiring and they and they hired a new coach um, and so I said to, to coach Leighton I said hey how will he be and Frank Layden says something that will forever it's obvious it stuck to me that he'll forever stick to me he said you know he's a great guy everybody loves him he was a great player Uh, Obviously, I'm not using his name. He was a great player. Um, Fans loved him. Teammates loved him. Really, really good guy. He said, what I'm worried about is how well he's going to communicate, how well he communicates, how well he interacts with people, how well he – he said, because, you know, when you can really communicate with people, then you can motivate them. And when you motivate people, then you're a leader. And in about three sentences right there, you know, I always—it's clear. I, I, I love this. I love the story. But in about three sentences, right there, you got a pretty good definition for leadership. And there's a thousand of them. There's a thousand of them. But like we had two leaders this year: Desiree Bowie, Elijah Pemberton. They were off the charts as far as leadership goes. But I always remember that: when you can communicate with people, then you motivate. And when you can motivate people, then you—that makes you a good leader. So that's what we got to do as coaches. Is what we have to do as teachers. Uh, But it all starts with communicating, and we're in a time right now when communication is going to be different. I can't get in a plane or get in a car and drive and put my face in front of a recruiter's parents. Got to do it like this. Got to do it over the phone. Got to text. And they can't come here either when it comes to recruiting. Same with our guys. First and foremost right now, we've got to make sure our guys are okay academically. I mean, they're taking all their classes online. I mean, that's, 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 again, not easy. It's not easy. Everybody thinks that's great. I don't know if it's great. Yeah. I don't know if it depends on the class, depends on the teacher. I don't know if it's great. It sounds great. Oh, I don't have to go to class. I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, you got to have a computer. you got to have an iPad. you got to have the Internet. you got to have a household that uh, where if you have one computer, the mom and dad aren't working from home, too, and they need a computer. So a lot of challenges with that, too. Yeah. So, Anyway, I'm rambling. But
0: I don't no, know, that's it. That was. You did, and that's a great story because it was about communication and, and stories, uh, you know, sell and facts tell. So that was a great uh, story, Joe. And we have a number of people watching. Uh, my mom was always a fan of yours; she's watching. Uh, but also a number of former officials and high school coaches. So if you are watching live and you have a question for us, please pop it up there, and, and we'll get it to Joe. Um, Joe, another thing about leadership to me is is being organized with your time, with your schedule, with your wellness. you know, Tell me about in season, Joe, about your practice schedule and you making time that works for you and works for your team. What was like your routine during the season? As far as putting the practice schedule together? Sure, getting them ready and game day and, and 24 so, hours before game day, 48 hours. What was your kind of big picture scheduling like?
1: Well if you want to first talk about planning practice, I, I, it's different for everybody. You know, some head coaches just scribble it all down on their desk, make a copy of it, and then drop it on the assistant coach's desk and say, okay, here's what we're doing today. Any questions? But I've never done that as a head coach. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a self-proclaimed expert at being an assistant because a, I was an assistant for so long. But I always want input. But I have incredible staff. You know, Mike Farley, Speedy Claxton, Colin Curtin, they're all head coaches. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, they are. They're they're off the charts. They are off the charts good. They they demand, you know, great things from themselves, and by demanding great things from themselves, it has an effect on each other. And we got a bunch of guys that are are always trying to be as good as they can be. So, but they're, in the, they're but they're good. So I've never planned a practice in 22 years as a head coach by myself. I mean, it's always been with the staff. We carve out. Sometimes it takes an hour, sometimes it takes two hours, because of how much tape we might watch of, you know, the, the opponent we're about to play or something we'd like to try. So, um, but uh, I've always, I've always played the crash with my staff. And minute for minute, I get input on what we're going to do, whether it's a shooting drill or uh, a breakdown of, uh, of our half-court offense or something we might, some scheme we might try defensively. But everything we do, we do as a staff we break it all down i mean if i could show your practice schedule right now you would see you know 305 stretch and warm up you know 310 to 320 and listen we're not reinventing the wheel here we're not curing cancer we're just everybody's doing this but that's what we do that's what we do
0: minute so by I, minute you know, so very organized in your time and and you go in two hours how long are your practice is two hours it you know, fluctuates. You know, it depends on the day, depends on the situation. You know, by the end of the year, you know, you're not really. You know, we were, we were last in the country, Andrew, in bench minutes. So mm-hmm. I had five guys that, that rarely came out of the game, and a lot
1: of people said, Ah, you know, it's going to be the NW. It'll be your Achilles heel. Well, we won three games in three nights, and and uh, you know, worked out pretty good. Yeah. So. So by the but by the end of the year, you know you're not practicing as long, you're not going up and down the court as much. You know by the end of the year, you know I couldn't let Dejura a and Elijah Pemberton sprain an ankle in practice, right? Yeah. So by the end of the year, we did we always did a lot of shooting drills. We carved out uh, some time in each practice for fundamentals and individual instruction, individual improvement, player development. We would always do that at the beginning of practice, but you know a lot of shooting and beginning of the year you're you're going live a lot, you're going up and down the floor a lot, you're, you're you know,
0: you try to get yourself in shape. But, you know, by the end of the year, it's a lot of a lot of breakdowns and a lot of walkthroughs. Joe, in, in high school, as a high school administrator, you know, we're judged by graduation rates, test scores, um, you know, kids getting into college, those kinds of things. That people look at those numbers. You know, you're pretty much judged by one big number or two big numbers, the wins and losses, but also the types of kids in there. Tell me about your you know, leadership, your conversations with your players about the importance of of the wins, right? Because, again, officiating so many of your games and those tight games, all of those colonial games are tight. You get down to those last five, six minutes, four minutes, you know, everybody got very intense because those wins and losses were coming to the line there. Tell me about your conversations about learning how to get those wins for your team. Uh, a lot of things pop into my head here, Andrew. I mean, you know, when you get towards the end of the game, it really is about preparation, and, and more importantly, it's about your players feeling
1: like and knowing like and being confident in the fact that they're prepared. You know, we, we do time and score situations a lot. Um, you know, where we put time on the clock and we though pract- we practice the end of the game stuff a lot, whether it's a short segment. You know, three seconds to go, down one, based on out of bounds. Or, you know, two and a half minutes to go, down four, um, you know, play it out from there. So we do a lot of that stuff. But I think, you know, our guys just need to know that uh, that we have practice. You got to remind them. Wait, Listen, fellas, we've been here before. We've practiced this. We did this two weeks ago when we played, you know, to Charleston, down in Charleston. We've been here. Here's what we did. This is what we did good. This is what we did bad. And
0: a lot of it's just a lot of preparation. It's it's you know before the game. Uh, it's watching tape the day before. It's talking it through. It's you know it's it's about being ready. And more importantly, as I said already, knowing that you're ready, having that confidence. Like yeah, yeah, you're right, coach. We did do this. Okay, yeah. we got it. And it's interesting to hear you say that. You know, having watched you coach uh, at Niagara. And it was like a ballet. Everyone was moving. You had you were like a Jedi on the sideline. And then in your first year or two at Hofstra, I think you dented your head a few times from banging it on the table because they weren't ready to do the things or they weren't as prepared because you didn't have as much time with them. So I've, I literally saw that in the transition. But you built that over this time at Hofstra and got them to a championship level team. So kudos to you and your your team there. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that, Andrew. It's um...
1: I guess at our level, now unfortunately, the transfer stuff is making it harder and harder. But sure. you know, it, it's 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 all kind of, it all kind of makes sense. If you're the if you're, if you're the coach at uh, Duke and Kentucky, maybe have maybe have one and done kids, right? But they're so good, <laughs> they're so talented, they're pros. They you know don't need to be. I don't mean, don't, this doesn't sound right. They don't need to be coached as much because those guys coach their brains out too. But with our guys, it's a progression. You know, as a, as a freshman you did this, as a sophomore you did a little bit more. Juniors, and by the time you're a senior, you're, you know, you understand it,
0: so. Joe, you made a big transition in your life. You were at Niagara 15 years. Uh, you carved a home out there. You went to the NCAA tournament a couple times. You had some star players, and you were the big fish in a, in a small pond up there. You know, really carved out a championship level program and just a great respected in, in your field. Tell me about that transition to Hostra. What You know, what made you leave? What? How did you say, like, hmm, this might be something I want to I want to do? Tell me about that transition.
1: Yeah, Andrew, you know, I, I love that. It's a great place. Great people up there. The extensions are as, as good a bunch of guys as you would ever want to meet in your life. Um, we were really happy there. I mean, if I had died up there, I'd have died a happy man. Um, But I always said, I mean, there were opportunities to leave, but I always said it's going to take something pretty special for me to leave. Um, And Hofstra is a special place. It's a really special place. As much as I loved it there, I love it just as much here and couldn't be prouder and more happy. And, you know, as I say all the time, I'm living the dream. I I guess it came down to – I guess it got a little personal. You know, I mean, my my sons had grown and left. And so I have three sons. In fact, they all coach. Joey is a – an assistant coach at the University of Pennsylvania, and we'll get Stevie Duddy on the show. He'll be way better than me. <laughs> um, my son Matt is a head coach at a prep school in Connecticut, Avon Old Farms, and my son Tony is an assistant track coach at George Mason University. Oh. So, they, uh, unfortunately, they all followed in my footsteps to become coaches <laughs> instead of going out and becoming doctors and lawyers and stuff. But, um, you know, there came a time when Mary, my wife's married. I've looked at you said, so we never see the kids. You know, they're just kind of too far. Like, you know, and I can't emphasize enough how much I loved it up there in Niagara, but it's not, and this isn't a joke, but it's really not on the way to anything. You know, like to, to, you know, my son Joey, but when we did move, you know, Mary Mary said to the guys, hey fellas, get up here and get your, you know what out of here so I don't have to clean it out. And when Joey came up, and said, you know, you realize that I haven't been here in 13 months. Wow. No, we saw him. We saw him in the summer. We saw him yeah. vacation came down here. He says, You realize I haven't been up here in like thirteen months. And so we just wanted to be closer to our family. This is really what it came down to. It was a chance to be close it was a chance to work in a fabulous place. I mean Hofstra's a world class institution, phenomenal school academically, great basketball program. You know, I'm I'm pinching myself every day to be here.
0: And and but but as, as much as that it was, you know, just being close to the family. Yeah, and you got you're close to New York City. There was things happening. I mean, uh, you close to Canada up there. You're right, right there. You know, going up there, uh, it was a long way. Uh, but you know, being there 15 years, that that had to be a hard uh, decision because such a change in your in your routine. You know, oh,
1: it was it was really hard. But but it's such a great place to come to. I mean, it's such an
2: exciting place, and we we love it. You know, my wife's not these days, but but Mary's on
1: the train all the time, going to the city and walking around and just, you know, it's, a, it's, 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 a, it's an awesome place. really.
0: Yeah. And you walked into a difficult situation, Joe, you know, there was some uh, turmoil uh, that was a rough season for coach Cassara, who, who was there before you. And uh, you know, you, you walked into a rough situation. Tell me about your mindset into uh, again, because school leaders, sometimes we go into a, a different situation too at a different school, right? There was turmoil, there was problems. How did you kind of carve out and make changes to get away from some of that turmoil that was there? Well, you know, I, 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 um, I'm lucky in the sense that um, for a couple reasons. But our president, Stuart Rabinowitz, is just an incredible president. I mean, he is he is uh, what he's done at this place is just, you know,
1: I, I believe we need another hour of your podcast to go through it. At the time, the AD was Jeff Hathaway, and, and when they hired me, they said, hey, listen, we, we want to win championships. We want to win games, but we want to do it the right way. You know, we want to we do it with good people. And if they hadn't said that, I probably would have never left where I was because, you know, I don't believe that you can win without good people. And so that was the first thing, to go out and get people that, you know, to build this culture. And some people don't like that word, but I think it's – Something you can't avoid. You you have a culture, whether you want to talk about it or not. There's a culture in every program. Mm-hmm. And with us, it starts with the kids. It starts with the players, and uh, who they are and what they're all about. And um, you know, I always you know, people always say, what do, you, "What do you look for when you go out there to recruit? What, do you, what is it? What are you looking for?" And, they, and I think they they, they think you're going to say, "Oh, we got to get a seven footer. and We got to get a guy that never misses an open shot. And we got to get somebody that dunks every time he drives down the lane." But really, for me, I look for I look for two sets of three. I always say this, two sets of three. Good person, good player,
2: good student. It starts with that. And, you know, the good student part, I don't want to mislead
1: anybody. That doesn't mean we have guys that just get A's. But we have, we have every single guy respects school. Every single guy goes to class, meets with his tutors, does his work, and does their best. And that's all we ask them. Some guys are going to graduate with a 2.3, and some are going to graduate with a 3.3. As long as they're doing their best and they respect school, so when I say good student, that's what that means. Uh, good players, obvious. I mean, we got to get good players. I mean, if it's not, if we're not, you know, if we're not, uh, if we're not uh, getting guys that can shoot, dribble, and pass, and that's, you know, and then good person. If they're, you know, if they're averaging 40 points a game and they have a 3.9 GPA, but they're gonna, you know, break the law and do things they shouldn't do and be disrespectful, not be good people, then we don't want them around. Yeah. So so so, so those three, and then then the other three is more basketball stuff, you know, and, and it's, it's intangible things. But love the game, like really love the game, like like not, you know, if you're not playing, you wish you were, or you're talking about playing, or you're talking about some dunk you saw on ESPN last night. But really love the game. Uh, hate to lose. Everybody loves to win. Everybody loves, but hate to lose. Like if you, you know, you're playing a, a one-on-one game with your teammate, he beats you, you want to play again. Because you don't like the fact that you beat, you know, hate to lose, and then work hard. You know, that's the third thing you got to work hard. We always tell the kids, "You are who you are when nobody's looking," and you can win that gym anytime you want. You don't need a coach to take you in there. So if you're going to get in there and work on your own, then that means you're, you are know, self-motivator and you're worker. So you know, you get you put those six things together, we got a locker room full of guys like that,
0: and that's why we've, uh, that's why we've, we've, we've uh, you know, won a lot of games yeah and certainly this season was was the icing on the cake for you rebuilding that program and you were so close uh, so many other times but joe you definitely modeled those second three uh you know uh, i mean you went to la salle and played there so you did those first three as a player uh but the the love of the game and the hate to lose uh you know you you could see it in your actions and certainly as an official i knew that as well uh working with you on the sidelines Tell me about because I had so many officials say, Andrew, you got to ask of this. Andrew, I have a number watching live here. Tell me about your interactions with officials because you had definitely had some great one-liners with me. Uh, but I also saw you really frustrated at times uh, in those wins and losses. Through it all, I knew, I knew you were a good person and a, and a good guy. But tell me about your sideline interactions. Well, hey, hey listen, I got to say this. I, 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 I mean this. You know, I, I have incredible
1: respect for. I, I don't know if I've ever had an official, and I'm lucky because I worked in the Mac and then worked in the Colonial. Yeah. But never had an official who, was, who wasn't genuinely a good person. Worked their brains out. Uh,
2: were fair. You know, that's they, all great guys. I mean, really, did they make it every call right? Well, you know, we didn't get every, we didn't make
1: every shot either. So, but great guys. I mean, yourself, start with yourself. You were always fair. I mean this I can talk about you, and it would be like talking about a bunch of guys um you know you were fair both ways, you worked hard you wanted to get you genuinely wanted to get it right, and I got to tell you this it's the hardest thing in the world i don't know how you guys did it i i mean that i'm not i'm not blowing sunshine your way when i don't need to it's hard I know I know it's hard i couldn't do it. I have to do it in practice every day I think i'm like uh I got about a twenty percent cr- uh, uh,
0: uh, correction rate. but I'm, but I'm, I'm, doing I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm right like twenty percent of the time. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And and I, uh, you know, I uh, listen. When you do get frustrated, you realize after the game you're probably frustrated because uh, you know for the wrong reasons, not the right reasons. And there's nobody else to take it out on. Me, so. Well, and I <laughs> and I remember uh, at Niagara we had a, a tough play and it was a hard call and it didn't go your way and. You weren't happy, and and you know I got this six-hour drive home, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering. I finally saw it on tape, and yeah, I saw I had it right. And sure enough, the next time I went up there, you said, Andrew, I need you to know that I know that you got that play right. So you did say that to me before the game, and I remember that, and it, and it said a lot about your character, and uh, you know, all in all, yeah, we're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to do the right thing for your players, and and that that's what makes the game so special. So. Uh, Joe, how about you personally? What are you doing yourself now with this with this time? You know, at your home, you got your Hofstra gear on. You're in your office. You got your coffee. What, what are you doing with this time? Yeah, I
1: mean, I'm just I'm just trying to to, to stay productive. I mean, just you know, watching more. I watch more tape than ever before. I thought I watched a lot of tape before. Now it's because the only way to watch recruits and watch kids, all these. Well, first of all, you get all these kids transferring. So you can go into the uh, – they're putting their names in the portal. So you, if you jump on Synergy and you see a name and you start watching them play, so you can watch Synergy. You can watch – try to stay in touch with the team, you know, the staff. I'm going to do a. I'm going to do something at 11 o'clock here with the staff. Um, but it's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. I mean, it's more phone calls with your recruits. It's less interaction. But you can't work your guys out, too. I mean, that's – our guys really needed a break. I mean, it was a long season. Um and then they had spring break. For once. they they actually got to be able the, to. They'd much rather be practicing, than getting ready for an NCAA tournament game. But sure. they got a break. This week was the first real week that we should have been in classes, and um, so it's different. But but it's it, it, it's just horrible not to be able to, to go in the gym. And my assistants would always have
2: these guys in the gym shoot jumpers, working on their ball screen uh, moves, and you know, all that stuff. And it was it's just great. You can see the guys that are going that way. Well, let's get you to your meeting.
0: And let's get on with it, Joe. A favorite of the program is the rapid fire questions. Uh, you didn't have a chance to look at these, so you don't know what's coming, but these are rapid fire answers, Joe. Give me, a, give me it's like a bang bang playing basketball. Give me your first uh, thing that pops in your head, okay? Oh, boy. Here we go. Last book you read. The last
1: book I read. I, I'm like a. I'm like I got I got two books I'm working on. That I, I read at night just to try to help me online a little bit. I I got a uh, you know I got a uh, 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 Lee Child Jack Reacher uh, book going just like that stupid uh, stuff. <laughs> uh, but I'm also patient through John Feinstein's uh, book that he just put out. So I got I read a little bit of those two things and then I go then I go from there. But I you know I like the uh, just I need a page turner something that, something that's probably not basketball. So it's. It's a John Grisham, it's Harlan Goblin, it's, uh, it's John Sanford, it's uh, Lee Childs, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, Feinstein does a lot of colonial games. I uh, know that. he's great. Uh, how, last movie you saw? Last what? Movie. Uh, I don't do it
1: much. Mary likes to go. I mean, I, I, I wish I went more with her, you know. But uh, so the other night, our, our kids told us to watch a movie called Knives Out. Okay. So that's what I would recommend. Too. Yeah. It was good. Okay. It was like a, uh,
2: yeah, it was like a, like a real life. Well, not real life. Cause it was a movie. But it, was like <laughs> it was like the game clue. Like, you yeah. know, somebody, 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 it was, it was good. It was good. Knives out. Cool. Well, favorite place to travel.
1: Favorite place to travel. Well, you know, probably the Jersey shore, you know, because, uh, my whole life long, it was, uh, in the summertime, we try to get down there. We always vacation there. And, uh, it's also a happy place for us because uh, you know my, my kids can try to get there and they they want it's a it's a it's a it's an end place it's a meeting place and it's a, it's a it's probably where we like
0: to be. Cool. Well, being out on the island there, I don't know if you've ever been out the Shelter Island. I vacation out there in the summer. Take a uh, ride out there with your wife if you haven't been out there. Beautiful. There are some great beaches around here, man. Yeah. Some great yeah. Something that motivates Joe Mahoney. Oh, you know I I, I don't. It's hard to give you one quick answer to that. I mean, what motivates me
1: is being with great kids. I mean, just being, just watching a kid walk into the gym with a twinkle in his eye and somebody that loves the game and wants to be good and wants to be successful. I mean, every time I see one of our players, I get motivated. I know that sounds corny, but every time one of my players walks in the room, I get motivated because because I love them all
0: and they're all really, really good kids and they want to they want to do something special and I get a chance to help them do something special. So that's that's what motivates me certainly did it this year uh you were very complimentary towards the officials today i appreciate that what was something that got under your skin what was uh uh, something that really bothered you with the officials oh i don't know
1: that it was well certainly nothing personal and i hate to get too technical here but you
0: know you got a few technicals in in your time it's okay (laughs) Yeah, bad bad word to use but this 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 the uh you know this emphasis on on Cylinder, the cylinder. Like, it's just too hard to call that. I mean, I, without getting into too many details, that was frustrating because we had the greatest of the great
2: refs at the end. And, you know, nobody understands it. players, the officials, the coaches. I understand the spirit of the rule, but you can't, something you just can't really enforce, too hard to call. I get frustrated for the officials, not for the coach, well, for both. I get frustrated for the officials when they're asked to, to emphasize something, enforce something. That's, that's pretty hard to to figure
0: out for yeah. everybody. Yeah. And put, put it's hard enough for you guys, and then we got then we got to put you in the spot where you got to do something that's impossible to figure out. So best line you ever gave a referee. Best line I ever
1: gave a referee. Oh, I don't know. That would that'd be something you'd have to answer.
0: <laughs> I like the one when we were up at Saint Bonaventure. <laughs> you had your hands out. You said, "Andrew, come on, you know me. This is some of the best behavior I've ever been on." <laughs> that was great. Uh, That was fun. You got my attention with that one. Um, uh, Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. Best purchase under $100 that's had a great impact on my life. Jeez.
2: Uh, I don't, I don't, hard to say. I can't, I can't, can't. can't can't be food, I guess. (laughs)
1: nothing, nothing anything jump out at
0: me i don't know if anything jumps out at me. i'll give you i'll give you a pause here maybe uh, your family can write it in here on the comments afterwards we'll give yeah. you a, we'll give you a pass uh something yeah. something about Joe Mahalik that people do not know about something about
1: me that people don't know about hmm. yeah i don't know i uh people don't know about i don't, I don't know i don't know what, I don't know
0: what that could be you wear your heart on your sleeve it's all out there
1: About reading, uh, what I like to read. I mean,
0: yeah,
1: you know that was
0: something, you know. Um, well, how about this one? Because I'm sure this popped in your head. I believe. I, I, I can tell you this. They don't know this.
1: When I was at LaSalle, I was, I was an adjunct professor in the math department. So, how's that? You like oh, that one? I yeah, like one that. Right? Yeah. People don't know that. Yeah,
2: but for a few, for a few years there, I was uh, I was just teaching an entry level probably a pre-calculus, pre-calculus class in math at, at,
1: when I was in south. so it was, a, it was a good way to have to throw a tie on and put myself in front of the students and, and let them see a coach who uh, actually didn't just think about
2: basketball, they had to figure out the signs and cosines too a little bit.
0: Very so, cool, so. yeah, I didn't see, that's good. Yeah. Uh, I believe we all have a book in us, Joe, what would be the title of your book?
2: Mm. Yeah, I
1: should have read these questions before <laughs> I <got it. laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't know, it might be. It might be something like this. I'm the luckiest guy I know because, uh, you know, I, I the way I feel. I, uh, I'm, I'm stealing that line from, from from a really close friend of mine, Fran Dunphy, who, you know, when he retired last year, he said that, and it kind of hit home for me. You know, he's a, he's, a, he's as good a guy as there is in the world. Yeah. A good friend. And uh, I remember him saying that I'm the luckiest guy I know. Uh, so, you know what, I, I feel the same way. I really do. Like, you know, all the things that have happened, the things that I've been, been through, I just feel like I'm the luckiest guy I know. And, uh, you know, personally, you know, my you know my family, my wife, Mary, She's she's she calls this the magic carpet ride, you know, what we're doing. So going from Niagara to here and popping around, she's, she calls it the magic carpet ride. But,
0: you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'll go with that. I'm the luckiest guy I know. Cool. How about a short-term goal, Joe, three to five months?
1: Oh, man, let's get this pandemic behind us. I mean, you know, let's, I think everybody's hoping for that one, too. But I, I think this is a pretty simple, obvious answer. Let's get back to normal. Maybe it's going to be a new normal, but let's let's find this new normal and get back to it. want to get back in the gym with the guys. want to get back in the office with my staff. want to get back on the road recruiting. want to get back to try to help uh, Hofstra climb up the ladder again with another championship.
0: Nice. Joe, you did a great job. I appreciated you being on. Uh, I have some of the tags here below. I know you were not big on social media, but you're going to be jumping in soon. But uh, certainly can reach out to Joe and the Hofstra program at some of these uh, tags below here. Here's the at Hofstra men's basketball or Hofstra pride. And uh, uh, definitely go out to a colonial game. You'll see an energetic uh, person there, an exciting coach. And Joe, congratulations to you and uh, your program. they winning that championship this year, even though you know, that next step got pulled away from. Yeah,
1: I appreciate that, Andrew. Like I said, life isn't fair. We all, we're all we all learning, and our guys have to learn from that. And uh, we're all going to be better for it. Everybody in the world's going to be better for this. And uh, and uh, hey, the next time we talk off the air, I'm going to try and talk to you into getting back on the forum and getting that whistle back right around. <laughs> we need you back there. We need you back there.
0: Well, thanks, Joe. Let me punch this music up. You stay on the line, Joe. We're going to sign off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Again, thanks to uh, Dan Spanauer for sponsoring the show. Here's the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Joe, I'm going to send you a copy of that. And I'm uh, at Andrew Morada21 on Twitter. Certainly leave us some comments uh, for Joe. And uh, appreciate you tuning in for the program. We're going to sign off, everyone. Thanks, Joe. Joe, stay on the line. Stay on that right. line a sec. Okay,
2: Bye. Well.